You know, one of the great things about being able to give God praise is how natural it becomes after a while. Just, and again, our words, our descriptions of God actually don't even begin to describe him. They only fit in our pea brains well. There are no words in our dictionary. There's no words in our vocabulary that can actually describe God. But we have these descriptions that fit our minds that allow us to have a faint image of this mighty God who created us and loves us. I think that's magnificent. I really do. And I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to do that. Well, brothers and sisters, again, we had started a new series uh, entitled Complete Forgiveness. Today would be the third installment of that particular series. So if you missed the first two, go online, go on Facebook, find them, listen to them. I think they'll be of great benefit to you. Today, we wanted to talk about what unforgiveness looks like. Unforgiveness. You know, we've established the definition for forgiveness. We establish it from God's point of view. When God forgives us, he forgives the offense as well as the offender. And it doesn't matter the power or the length or the height of your offense. He forgives those. You know, we as Christians sometimes want to put a quantitative measure on sins. You know, the filthy six, the dirty dozen, that kind of thing. Well, again, God doesn't do that. When he sent Jesus to die, Jesus died for sins. So I don't care what measure you you try to put on those, Jesus died for those. And because he died for those sins, you have been forgiven completely for eternity. Now, if you don't understand your forgiveness, then there's going to be a strong concept of you not being able to forgive others yes that's true if you don't understand your forgiveness or the totality of your forgiveness it's going to be kind of hard for you to forgive others so let's talk about what does unforgiveness look like how does unforgiveness first affect you now i'm just going to give you a clue before we jump into this thing see you can be unforgiving to someone But that person may have taken their step to God and got forgiveness from God for themselves. Therefore, you're the only person carrying the weight of this situation, the overwhelming guilt of the situation, because the person you think shouldn't be forgiven went to God and got forgiven. So they're not so much waiting for your forgiveness. So now here you are carrying something that you don't need to carry and it's weighing you down. Does that make sense to anybody today? Praise the Lord. So let's just read this. It says unforgiveness is holding on to regret, remorse, and a biggie revenge. The focus will be on your past pains, hurts, and grudges. When you do not forgive somebody for something that they may have done to you or said to you, then the event or the time period that that event happened, that's where you'll stay stuck if you don't forgive. You'll stay stuck right there at that particular event, right there at that particular time. And what you'll begin to do is just regurgitate that situation emotionally. You'll just keep talking about it and talking about it and talking about it because you're not willing to forgive that person. Therefore, again, you end up stuck. Does this make sense to anybody today? 
See, again, if we could bring the picture of God's forgiveness back into our vision and see what it was that happened. So real quick. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God created the earth. He put man in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned, were separated from God. The separation is not what God's purpose or will was, but that's what happened. But he loved us so much, he wanted us to be reconciled to him, so he sent his son. So Jesus, who had never been separated from the Father, leaves the Father, comes to earth as a human being, and then pays the price that we can't pay, (laughs) and then takes on our sins. So if you can envision him on the cross, and if you can envision all of these arrows of sin, every kind of sin you can think of being driven into the body of Jesus Christ as he's on the cross. So he is consuming all of the sins of everybody into his body. As that is happening, he is now separated from his father because God and sin cannot be in the same place at the same time. But God sent his son knowing what was going to happen and Jesus knew what he had to do for us. So Jesus says on the cross, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Knowing that he had been separated. Then he says something even more profound. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them. So in the midst of this enormous separation, this enormous pain, and this enormous mistreatment of an innocent person, he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus was asking for us to be forgiven, but he was also paying the price for our forgiveness. And then it falls to us. Something happened to us. Something, somebody said something, somebody did something. And I'm not making light of the situation. I'm saying you need to forgive. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go to dinner with the person, but you need to forgive so you can take that overwhelming weight off of you. Is this making sense to anybody today? So let's just dive right in. I think we're going to have some fun today. Matter of fact, I know we are. But the the goal here is to talk about what unforgiveness is, how it affects us on an everyday basis. I just need you to kind of get an image of, I always used to share this. There was a guy hitchhiking on the road. And the guy had a big rucksack. I don't know if you know what a rucksack is, but if the military folks, y'all know what that is. But he had this big sack on his back. And his sack weighed about about 200 pounds. And it's hot. And he's on the road hitchhiking. And he has his thumb out. And a car comes by. And, and, and the man says, do you need a ride? And the guy says, yeah. And the man says, well, listen, you're going to have to take the, the rucksack off and get in the car. And the guy said, that's okay. So the car drives away. A few minutes later, a truck comes by. And the truck has a big open bed in the back. But also, he has a four-door truck that's air-conditioned on the inside. The trucker stops and, hey, man, you need a ride? The guy says, yes. He said, well, come on, man. I'll take you where you want to go. And instead of getting in the air-conditioned inside... He got into the bed of the truck, continuing to carry the weight of the rucksack on his back. Is anybody understanding what I'm saying? 
God gave us a truck. He gave us a four-door truck with air conditioning. Jesus paid the price for forgiveness. But here we are still carrying unforgiveness. And it becomes a weight that we carry. A weight that you have to carry. Now, I need you to understand this because you'll get mad at the person that you're mad at because they're happy. Let me say that one more time. You'll get mad at the person that you're mad at because they're happy. Because they have changed their lives. They have went to God and they've accepted the forgiveness that he has extended to us. And now they're finding joy in their life and you're mad at them because they've got joy. But that same joy is open to you. You just need to let go of unforgiveness. I hope this is, I hope this is making sense to you. Let's go to Psalm 130. Psalms 130. We're going to read it in the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation. It says, From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Listen to this closely. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, oh Lord, could ever survive? I, I, I need us to get this because, see, we keep trying to make sins in a quantitative measure. And that's not the case. <laughs> One sin is enough to break the relationship between us and God. That had been the history of mankind up until the cross. When Jesus dies on the cross, this situation changes. Jesus pays for our debt. How many times is he going to die? Once. And he got up. How long is he going to be alive? Forever. So listen to me. It says it's important for you to know that those sins... If God kept the record of those sins, you could never, no one, I don't care who you are, could ever survive. The the Bible says, for we all fall short of the glory of God. All fall short. See, in our minds, we keep thinking, well, no, there's somebody who fell shorter than me. The verse doesn't say that. We all fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, we should all be excited about the forgiveness that is provided to us by God. And if you're excited for forgiveness for you, then you need to extend that forgiveness to somebody else. Forgive them and then let it go. Let me finish reading this. It said, but you offer forgiveness. Now, again, an offer means that somebody on the other side must make up their minds whether they're willing to accept the offer or not. This is our free will. Do you understand that today? We all have this free will. So it says, but you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. Not the kind of fear that you have if you ran into a, a rabbit dog late at night, but the awesomeness of God, the reverence of God. But you offer forgiveness. It says that we might learn to fear you. Now listen to what he says. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. Those of you who don't want to forgive, 
I don't want you to put your hope in disaster for the other person. I don't want you to put your hope in revenge for the other person. I don't want you to put your hope in those kinds of things for the other person. I won't feel right until that other person pays. That's not going to work well for you. Because that person will go to God and be forgiven and you will be holding on to unforgiveness, remorse, regret, revenge. Revenge doesn't work, brothers and sisters. It just doesn't. God says you let it go. He will avenge if there's some revenge that needs to be done. Let me finish reading. It says, I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. I don't know about you in the military. If you had that late night duty that you had to watch over stuff all during the night while other people slept. Man, I don't know about you. You can't wait for the dawn, especially if you're out in the jungle somewhere doing something. <laughs> and the jungle starts talking to you and the trees start moving and stuff. But you got to stay awake. Yeah, you're you're yearning for the dawn. So again, because I know his forgiveness is available. I yearn for it like the centuries do for the dawn. The watchmen do for the dawn. So brothers and sisters, I'm asking you right now. How does your forgiveness feel? Do you still feel unforgiven? It's so it's going to be hard for you to forgive somebody else. So what do you do with your unforgiveness? If you feel unforgiven, to whom do you go to for peace? To whom do you go to for joy? To whom do you go to? What, what is it? What avenue are you trying to travel to ease the weight of that unforgiveness? Making sense today? Let's go to another verse. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. This is going to be in the Passion Translation. It says, Later, Peter approached Jesus and said, How many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? Seven times? Jesus answered, Not seven times, Peter, but 70 times, seven times. Again, if you're going to spend time trying to count all of these, you're really going to be in trouble. And hopefully that person won't keep offending you that many times. But the case is, it's not about how many times this person offends you. This is about how you should forgive that person. Are y'all following me today? So Jesus answered, not seven times, Peter. Kingdom, excuse me. Jesus answered, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times, seven times. The lessons of forgiveness in heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. Listen closely. There once was a king who had servants who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle accounts with each of them. As he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his servants owed him one billion dollars so he summoned the servant before him and said to him pay me what you owe me when the servant was unable to repay the debt 
the king ordered that he be sold as a slave along with his wife and children and every possession they owned as payment toward his debt. The servant threw himself face down at the master's feet and begged for mercy. Please be patient with me. Just give me more time and I will repay you all that I owe. Upon hearing his pleas, the king had compassion on his servant and released him and forgave his entire debt. We're going to keep reading in a minute. I just need to make sure you understand. How much of your debt has been paid for? So everything, listen to me, every sin, every sin. You know those times that we thought if we turn the light off, God can't see this. If we shut the door, God can't hear this. If I change my name at the hotel registry, God can't read this. Every time God neither sleeps nor slumbers, every time God was present because he's omnipresent. But every time those events happen, God still said, I love you enough that I'm sending my son that he would die for you. So that one billion sins that we've committed, God sent his son, Jesus blood paid for every one of those. So when we prayed to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it was like this man pleading his case before the master saying, hey, man, please just forgive. And the master had compassion on him like God had on us and sent his son. This man had compassion and forgave the debt. Are y'all following me? One billion dollars. How many of you could forgive a one million dollar debt? <laughs> huh? Because some of y'all, somebody owe you $5 and you've been looking for them for a month. (laughs) $1 billion. Think about what God did for us. Okay. You follow me? Listen closely. It says, no sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants. Not months, not weeks. But almost in the same day, this person leaves from receiving compassion, leaves from getting his debt forgiven, leaves for having his being reconciled to God, having the books reconciled. He leaves. Listen, no sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants who owed him $20,000. He seized him by the throat. And began to choke him saying, you better pay me right now everything you owe me. How quickly we forget what our forgiveness costs. And then we run into somebody who has done something to us. And we believe they owe you something. And you want them to pay even when you and your debts were paid for. So I just offer this today. Maybe you don't understand 
that your debts have actually been paid. Because if you don't understand your forgiveness, how is it possible for you to forgive someone else? So I reiterate, Jesus paid for your sin. Your past sin, your present sin, and all of your future sin, Jesus paid that price. So he set you free. What kept him on the cross? Love, compassion, mercy. What should we be extending to someone else? Well, I don't, I don't like them. I know what they did to me. That's okay. I'm not asking you to go to dinner. I'm asking you to remove the weight that you have been carrying yourself because you're carrying something that doesn't belong to you. That unforgiveness is a weight that destroys you. Now, if you can find it in yourself to go and make amends with your brother or sister, I would appreciate that very much. And so would they. But hear me, understand the totality of what it took for you to be forgiven. Oh, I understand. Man, I've done some crazy stuff, brother. Woo. You know, we Christians are good. We can forget real quick, can't we? You know what I mean? Again, it's almost like, okay, God didn't see that. God didn't hear that. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Because he, he's omnipresent, but he forgave you. This guy was forgiven, walks out of the room, runs into somebody who owes him a heck of a lot less than what he owed. And now he's choking him. Let's read this thing on. His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet and begged. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Please be patient with me. If you'll just give me time. I will repay you all that is owed. But the one who had his debt forgiven. Let me read that one more time. But the one who had his debt forgiven. So he's about to do something. Does he understand the totality of his debt being forgiven? See, sometimes we think we deserve something. The Bible says you shouldn't think more highly of yourself than you ought. See, sometimes we think we deserve forgiveness. Therefore, we can take that away from somebody else. But that's not the true case. We don't deserve anything. But death, but God loved us. He had compassion on us. He had mercy on us and he forgave us. This guy is acting pretty crazy right now. But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive what was owed him. He had his fellow servant thrown into prison and demanded he remain there until he repaid the debt in full. Boy, we like throwing people in prison, don't we? (laughs) Not a literal one. But we like putting them in a position in the eyes of other people. We'll talk bad about them. You know, that person owed me such and such and they ain't paid me back. And I know they got the money, but they ain't never been nobody good. But you're doing this to other people so those people can change their opinion about that person. I sure hope you all are following me today. See, everything in society could have changed God's opinion about us. But he didn't do that. So I'm asking you to understand your forgiveness. This guy isn't doing that right now. Are y'all following this? Is this making sense to you? It says, when his associates saw, 
I'm going to make sure I say that again. When his associates saw. So again, whenever you're doing this against somebody, you must have an audience. Unforgiveness requires an audience. Oh, I need y'all to hear me today. Unforgiveness requires an audience. You need a choir to back you up. You must go sing to the choir to point out that person and whatever situation they have done to you. It needs associates. Now, these people that you pull into this thing, some of them know they need to be forgiven. But you must have a choir. You must have a group of people that you share this with. So when you're being unforgiven, you have to put validity to your unforgiveness by causing this person to be accused by more than just you. Is anybody hearing me today? Again, here's a situation that God didn't use. He didn't do that for us. He could have forever. You know, we refer to Thomas as doubting Thomas. How cruel of us to continue to call the brother doubting when he stopped doubting after he stuck his fingers in the hole. He stopped doubting, didn't he? Yes, he did. So again, we have this habit of wanting to label somebody something. Think about this. How would you feel if from the first time you lied, your identity became liar? And that's how you were seen forever. And no matter what you did, no matter where you went, no matter how long you prayed, as soon as somebody will see you, that's lying Bob. (laughs) That's, That's lying Joyce. That wouldn't be fair, would it? Well, again, I need us to know we need to be able to forgive people because we've been forgiven. God does not identify us by the sins that we have committed. He has wiped those out. Are you ready to forgive somebody else? Are you ready to let it go? Let's finish reading. It says, when the associates saw what he was going, what was going on, they were outraged and went to the king and told him the whole story. The king said to him, you scoundrel, is this the way you respond to my mercy? Could God say that to us? Is this the way you respond to my forgiveness? Could Jesus say that to us? Is this the way you respond to my forgiveness for you? That you refuse to forgive someone else. Again, I'm not being facetious about the things that have happened to us. So get that straight. I'm just telling you to hold unforgiveness actually hurts you more than it hurts that person. You carry the weight of unforgiveness. The king said to him, you scoundrel, is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave you the massive debt that you owed me. Why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed to you? I want to make sure you get this. The $1 billion debt was consumed by the king. It wasn't that the $1 million debt disappeared. The $1 million debt was assumed. It was consumed by the king. 
He still was out of one million dollars, but he decided to forgive us. Hear me today. God has forgiven us sins. All of them. And all of them had a price because Jesus came and paid the price. God sent his son. That was the price. He was separated from his son. That was the price. Jesus was beaten and, 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 and misused and abused. That was the price. So the debt has to be paid. But in this case, the king consumed the debt. Jesus paid the debt for us. To set you free. Why did he set you free? So you can forgive the debt that somebody owes you. Almost done. In a fury of anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until all his debt was repaid. So the debt that was owed didn't disappear And because he was unforgiving, the debt came back on the books and now he has to be incarcerated to pay that debt off. Are y'all hearing me today? It says, forgive as God has forgiven you. Forgive as God has forgiven you. In the same way, My heavenly father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness from your heart towards your fellow believer. Didn't say you had to take them to dinner, but forgive them from your heart. Release that weight from yourself. Almost done. It says if you choose to hold on to bitterness... No one suffers but you. If you choose to hold on to bitterness, no one suffers but you. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. This is the Passion Translation as well. It says, in every relationship, in every relationship, be swift, be swift to choose peace over competition. And run swiftly towards holiness. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. Bitterness needs an audience like unforgiveness needs an audience. When you carry bitterness, you want other people to acknowledge it, to applaud it, to feel sorry for you. Listen, that person you're requiring them to feel sorry for you have enough mess in their lives themselves. For we all fall short of the glory of God. Do not let bitterness take root in your life. Let it go. It was hard for me. I always think about Jesus at the cross. I always think about Jesus before he was nailed to the cross. 
I think about him carrying that cross through the street. I'm thinking about Jesus who could have called 10,000 angels, but refused to use his God abilities because he came here as a man to die for us. He could have been bitter. But he had compassion. Bitterness, compassion. Bitterness is going to cause you a world of hurt and trouble. See, because if you're going to be bitter, you need people to be bitter with you. You need people to support, applaud, and be a part of your bitterness. So people will see you coming and don't want to see you. People will see you coming and don't want to be around you. Because they know what's going to come out of your mouth. Peter rebuked him and said. Your money will go with you to destruction. How could you even think that you could purchase God's supernatural gift with money? Did I skip a verse? No, we're. Oh, I'm sorry. I read all of Hebrews, didn't I? (laughs) We're going to Acts chapter 8. Let me, let, me, let me set this up before we move forward. Starting at verse 20 in the, the, mass, the message translation. Uh, Peter had just performed an incredible ministry, a miracle. And this guy who was uh, trying to make money off of a, uh, doing the same kind of gifting. But it wasn't from God. So once he seen Peter do it and he seen the people's reaction to Peter, he wanted to have the same thing. I need y'all to get this with me. It says, so when he asked, hey, man, listen, I'll pay you money if you will give me that gift to operate in my life. Peter rebuked him and said, your money will go with you to destruction. How could you even think that you could purchase God's supernatural gift with money? You will never have this gift or take part in this ministry for your heart is not right with God. Can I tell you something about bitterness and unforgiveness? It changes the texture of your heart. It changes the texture of your inner being. It changes the texture of your mind. When you are full of bitterness and unforgiveness, you see the world different than people who are forgiven. You see things different. You see things as though somebody owes you something. The person that is forgiven is so thankful that that which they owed has been paid. Somebody say amen. But if you're always thinking that somebody owes you something... You'll see the world different and your heart texture gets a little off balance. It says, repent this moment for allowing such wickedness to fill you. Plead with the Lord that perhaps he would do what? Forgive you. The treachery of your heart. For I discern that jealous Envy has poisoned you and binds you as a captive to sin. Oh, I need you to grasp this today. When you don't forgive somebody, it poisons you. 
And before long, you are now trapped in this mental and emotional scenario that you can't find freedom anywhere because you think your freedom is tied to the destruction of the person that may have done something to you. You think your freedom is tied to your revenge against that person. And I'm here to tell you, if you're seeking revenge, dig two graves, one for you and one for the person you're going after. Because you're going to, you're dying in this process. You can't do this because it poisons your heart. It poisons your vision. If you don't forgive, bitterness must take root in your life. And then that bitterness will twist your heart. And you want to destroy somebody. You know, we're, we all could do that. I said we all can do that, can't we? But we're not supposed to. Let it go. Simon begged, Peter, please pray to God for me. Plead with him so that nothing you just said over me may come to pass. Let's pray today for those of us who aren't exercising forgiveness. Let's pray today who, for those whose hearts have been twisted because of bitterness, jealous, envy. I don't know why that person is happy after what they did to me. I don't know why that man was able to go marry somebody else after he divorced me. I don't know why that woman was able to find another husband after what she did to me. On and on. I don't know why he called me dumb. I don't know why she mistreated me. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. Today, in the name of Jesus, let it go. Because if you hold on to it, it's going to taint your heart and taint your vision for the world. So right now, let's pray. Just close your eyes and listen to the prayer or you can repeat after me. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, today, right now, I release my anger. I release the bitterness. I release the need, Lord. To put somebody else down. I receive today. Your total and complete forgiveness. Which now allows me. To forgive. That person. Father thank you. For removing the weight. From my shoulders. Thank you. For lifting up that ugly weight that I've been carrying. And now, Father, restore my sight. Let me see and experience your compassion and your mercy. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
Brothers and sisters, if you said that prayer, I want you to know the weight has been lifted off of you right now. It's been lifted. It's been lifted. It's been lifted. Let it go and let's move forward now in the mighty name of Jesus. Listen to me. Looking forward to seeing you next week. We'll continue to the next segment of this complete forgiveness. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.